Welcome to the Talk to Your Pharmacist podcast. We're dispensing stories of success from across the continuum of care. I'm your host, Hillary Blackburn. Thanks for joining us to learn from leaders throughout the pharmacy industry. This podcast is sponsored by TheraWorks Relief. Many of you get sore, achy legs from standing all day or get asked about painful foot and leg cramps. If so, you're going to want to hear about TheraWorks Relief, a clinically proven topical foam that prevents and relieves muscle cramps and soreness. Learn more at theraworksrelief.com. Hey everyone, are you a student heading to ASHP mid-year? Well, you will want to stay tuned because we are hosting our first live event on Tuesday, November 27th at 5 p.m. to help you learn how to prep for ASHP mid-year interviews. We'll have a live panel and audience coming from Belmont University College of Pharmacy. So be sure to check out our Facebook page, Pharmacy Advisory Group, and sign up for our event on Tuesday, November 27th at 5 p.m. Central. We'll also be doing an Instagram live, so follow me at Talk to Your Pharmacist. And finally, if you want my quick tips for how to make the most of pharmacy meetings, text GUIDE to 31996. That's text GUIDE to 31996. And now, let's hear from fellow podcaster Mike Corvino of Core Consult. All right, so today we have a special guest on the Talk to Your Pharmacist podcast. Our guest, Mike Cravino, is a PharmD and certified diabetes educator. He's a clinical pharmacist at Franklin C. Fetter Family Health and serves as an adjunct professor of pharmacology at Charleston Southern University Physician Assistant Program. Mike is passionate about lifelong learning and has recently launched the Core Consult Rx podcast to share evidence-based medicine and drug updates with clinicians. He also has a great Instagram feed, too, for some really great uh, clinical pearls uh, involving evidence-based medicine and has a social media pre- uh, presence of just over 10,000 followers, so really impressive work. Mike, welcome to the Talk to Your Pharmacist podcast. Thanks for having me. Good to be here. Well, now that our listeners have heard a little bit about your background, maybe you can fill in any gaps from that intro and maybe tell us a little bit about your personal life and um, maybe share a little bit of of the fun fact that many people may not know that you're a former MMA fighter. (laughs) That doesn't always... um, You know, you don't see too many pharmacists that have that as uh, some of their background. So lots of interesting things I'm sure you could share. (laughs) So yeah, you did did a little digging on me. I like it. Um, So yeah, the MMA thing is definitely, uh, I guess, kind of one of those weird um, things that I I don't bring up too much anymore just because it's in the past. And I I feel like one of those guys that still like lives in his glory days of like high school or something like that. But um, that for me was was something that had been like a lifelong goal, I guess, was to compete and do mixed martial arts. I'd grown up watching like the UFC and things. So when I got the opportunity kind of to start fighting um, was right after I finished undergrad. And at that point, I was kind of waiting to hear 
about pharmacy school and I had really only applied to one school because I, I really wanted to go to MUSC, which is the, our local big medical university here in South Carolina. And I had only applied there. And by that time, I got so interested in, in actually having the opportunity to fight, which I had talked about for years and years since I was a little kid, that I kind of was like, well, I hadn't heard back from pharmacy school anyway, so it probably won't, probably won't happen. Um, then I, I got you know notification that I was had my first fight scheduled and all that. And then I got a notice the next day from pharmacy school saying, hey, you've been accepted. So just get ready to start pharmacy school. And so I had a, a crossroads and I knew that uh, it was probably not the smart move to not take advantage of pharmacy school. So I went ahead and, and tried to do both for a while. Ended up fighting professionally in pharmacy school for two years and paying my bills that way. And uh, yeah, after that, I just kind of had to pick one or the other because I didn't have the time to really dedicate to either one and do it as well as I wanted to. So I figured pharmacy was a better long-term play. <laughs> For sure. Well, that, I mean, uh, you know, if an interviewer ever was able to ask you about that, I'm sure that uh, that leads to some interesting discussions. And <laughs> obviously you had the, um, you know, diligence to be able to manage, um, you know, multiple um, types of commitments. And so um, really disciplined, uh, one, to be able to even compete um, and compete at that level. And then two, to be able to to um, fit in and with time management. So um, you've, you've been developing all of those skills that you're using now in uh, the work that you're doing. So you've got um, a couple different roles. Uh, first, I guess we could jump into that. So, you know, time management, you've ar already been um, practicing and are, are skilled in doing that. So how do you fit in with your roles as, as a um, pharmacology professor and clinical pharmacist? Um, so those two in, the, in and of themselves. And then let's chat a little bit more about um, core consult RX. Yeah. So I guess kind of starting out, like when I finished pharmacy school, I, I didn't, I was, I got married my third year of pharmacy school and I was just really ready to, to start working. Um, and so I didn't do the residency route, which, you know, looking back is hard for me to say, I wish I would have done things differently now, but, um, probably would have led to a little bit smoother road. Um, but I chose not to do a residency, but I really wanted to make sure that I never was stuck in one job or one setting. And I, I, I kind of wanted to do a quote unquote, like self-taught residency, if you will. And so I talked to my wife about it and, you know, we, we kind of agreed that it was okay for me to kind of really dedicate all my free time, the first couple of years of being out of school to pushing myself to, to gain more education, gain more knowledge and, and learn some of these clinical roles that I wasn't getting in my job when I first got out of school. Um, I started managing a retail pharmacy um, probably about four or five months after I graduated and it was one of the busier stores in Charleston and uh, ended up kind of starting in like an MTM program through them and ended up running about 80 MTM through about 80 stores um, at one point and, you know, learned got, got a lot of experience from, from that. Um, and at the same time, some people that I had met through uh, MUSC and some mentors that I had met along the way 
um, kind of got me in, in uh, touch with a program that's based out of Charleston that does diabetes education for their employees. So, so anyone who's an, an employee of the city of Charleston can get enrolled in this program. And as long as they meet with their MD regularly and a PharmD regularly, they get their medications for free through the city. And so that was kind of my first um, look at more of like an AmCare type setting. And uh, really, I mean, I didn't take my first, I guess, vacation. My wife and I went on our first vacation since I graduated in 2015 um, this year. And so all my vacation days that I that I had up until this point, like every one of them, every second of free time, I spent like volunteering at MUSC and um, look, continuing to learn, going to patient case studies, going to topic discussions with the residents and, you know, tried as hard as I could to legitimately have like a, you know, it sounds kind of weird to say, but like a self-taught residency to, to make sure that I was learning and progressing. And so that's just kind of, I got myself in that mindset, like right from the beginning, um, right after graduation. And so it's just kind of now what I'm used to. So as far as time management, you know, part of it is that I really enjoy it. So it's not really that I'm having to sacrifice all this free time to work. I mean, the stuff that I do, especially the social media content that I do is, is fun for me. So it's not, it doesn't really feel like I'm working, but it's just kind of what I've known coming out of school and that's just what I've done. And, um, it's just kind of gotten into routine now, um, you know, with teaching and everything that's really, really helped me stay up to date with all my information. Cause I mean, I teach pharmacology one, two, and three for the PAs. And so that's forced me to really stay up to date on my pharmacotherapy and, it's just really open. You know, that was an opportunity that I, I really, you know, on paper, didn't deserve to have. And so I was, I've been working very hard to, to prove myself with the school and, and show my appreciation for them for giving me the opportunity. And uh, now it just kind of signed on with them again for another year. And uh, now that I have this new clinical role with Feder Healthcare, um, that's opening up a whole new area of, of you know options for me and a much more AmCare type work. So it's 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 good. It's um, I don't really have a secret formula or anything like that for time management. It's it's literally just practice and finding out what works and lots of conversations and um, with my wife and making sure that everything is good and with our relationship and that I'm not working too much and that, you know, I've just kind of gotten in this routine and I know what goals I want to accomplish. So it for me, it's just kind of the way it is. <laughs> Yeah. Wow. Um, so I, I think you hit the nail on the head was that you had a goal. So that's, that's what has been keeping you motivated. Um, and, you know, putting yourself and making yourself indispensable, if you will, and, you know, making sure that you're, um, getting all of the up-to-date education and, and networking and, um, you know, doing all of that. But, um, on the flip side, how do you, um, manage, you know, preventing any type of, of burnout, because that's such a big, um, issue with the profession. So, you know, some people, um, experience that more common, you know, maybe in different areas of pharmacy than others, but, um, how would you, um, I guess, manage that balance between, you know, the hard work and self-discipline to meet and achieve your goals with, um, you know, also not preventing any type of burnout. 
So for me, I'm, I feel very fortunate because, you know, kind of like I said, for me, the, a lot of the stuff that I do with pharmacology, pharmacotherapy is my fun. I mean, it sounds super nerdy to say that, but it's something that I don't, I don't ever feel even remotely burned out. And I've been doing this for going on four years, which I know to someone who, you know, if, if someone is listening, it's been practicing for 10, 15 years, they could say, oh, we'll, you know, talk now. But for me, I've just, I've always been, I've always kept as many doors open as possible. So for instance, like with the the retail setting, I was 1% unhappy with that. And the the opportunity was was there for me to switch like the second I wanted to, um, and so I, I've I've had some I mean and it's it it's not just me I mean I've had really great mentors and people around me and and so they've they've helped kind of set some of these things up for me but I've just made sure that I've taken taken every single opportunity and to, to network and meet people and try to show that, um, you know, I could potentially bring value to, you know, whatever setting. And so that when it was finally time to make a change, you know, I, I, some people knew that I was looking for something different and I got a phone call and, um, you know, that rest is kind of that. Now I'm doing a job that I'm much, much happier with than I was in the retail setting. And, uh, yeah, I just, I'll kind of adapt. If I start feeling that burnout, you know, I'll address it when it comes. But, you know, something I kind of joke about, you know, when I did, because of the MMA, you know, that that's really, I feel like made me, I guess, look at things in perspective. You know, back then, you know, I used to have to cut a lot of weight to, to get down to my actual fight weight. And so I, I always joke, you know, I've cut almost 25 pounds in 24 hours before, which is super, super, super unhealthy. I'm not advocating that by any means. It was very dumb, but I I've done that and I've gone through that and multiple times. And, uh, you know, I, I look at things like having to work really long hours or stay up all night to finish a project or whatever as basically, well, it's nowhere near as bad as, uh, cutting that weight was. So, um, you know, I can get through this for sure. And I just kind of make a joke out of it. And I don't know, I've just never really felt even remotely burned out. So I, yeah, I, I wish I had a better like calculation or equation for how to, to deal with that. I've just, I feel very fortunate that that's just not, you know, with, with the way things have been going, I, I haven't felt that even a little bit. Yeah, well, you're clearly passionate in, um, you know, creating uh, this this new kind of movement or vision that you're doing with Core Consult RX. Tell us a little bit about, you know, the journey to create that and and what's your vision um, with it. So, yeah. So, you know, when it first started, it was just kind of like, a, hey, I should give this a shot. I didn't really know. I had no like vision with it at first. I had no really goal. I didn't really know what I was doing. Um, you know, I, I, especially when it comes to like making like audio or video content, um, any of the graphic design stuff that I do now, like I didn't know any of that stuff when I first started. And so I just kind of started because I thought it would be cool to, um, put evidence-based medicine type topics, clinical pearls, drug updates, whatever, you know, on social media, because I just felt like that's where a lot of the attention was now. And with, especially with students and things. And, you know, if nothing else, I feel, I felt like it would help me stay up to date with my, you know, own personal information. And so it was a win-win because even if no one ever 
paid any attention to it, then at least it was helping me with, you know, my actual job. So um, I kind of gave it a shot off the bat and started with Facebook and Instagram. You know, when I first started, I, I went back and looked at my original, like first post I ever put on Instagram. And I, I think it had one like, and I'm pretty sure it was my wife. So it was like a sympathy like, and it was just something that, you know, I, I just kind of started and, and literally no one paid any attention to at first. And it took me a few months before anybody started like really looking at it and following my page. And, but I just posted every single night and I made a new topic and came up with different things, different disease states or drugs or whatever it was. And then from there, it just kind of evolved. And I started learning how to use like the Adobe products, like Adobe After Effects and Premiere Pro, started learning more about audio content, um, learning about Alexa for from Amazon. And then, you know, now it's, I have my podcasts on Spotify and iHeartRadio and all the major platforms and my Alexa flash briefing. If you search medicine is now like number two. If, and if you search relative for under the term medicine, um, so stuff like that, which is completely crazy. And soon as uh, these big companies, like these universities and stuff kind of get wind of it, they'll, they'll push me right out of my, off my second place throne. But, um, for now I'm enjoying it. And, uh, it's just been more just kind of like a learning experience to kind of see how I can sort of, I guess, self-brand um, around information that I find interesting anyway. And it's it's been good because I've really gotten to network with a lot of students and, and spent a lot of time and got to know people from all kinds of different universities, I've had a lot of phone conversations, done like topic discussions now that I've facilitated originally through Instagram, you know, moved to Google Hangouts and done like topic discussions on random disease states with students. And it's just been very, very uh, cool opportunity, met a lot of really good people and, um, you know, met some really good friends as well. You know, like you, you mentioned, um, Richard Waith earlier, you know, him and I, I didn't know who he was a year and a half ago. And, you know, I went and stayed with him in Miami a couple months ago and we're, he's like one of my best friends now. So, you know, it's something that, um, I'd never really kind of expected in the f starting off, but it's built up to being like just a huge part of me now. And, um, honestly, I think where it's going, I still don't have like a clear, vision I guess for it and I'm not I haven't really tried to turn it into like a like a business or anything just because um I don't really need to at this point and um I, you know I I feel you know comfortable with you know my salary and stuff for my regular job I haven't like needed to like monetize this portion and and so I think kind of long-term thinking it's more going to be about branding and getting like students to come on rotation with me. I have my first student coming on rotation with me uh, from Florida and he emailed me one day randomly and said, he listens to my podcast and asked if he could come to his, one of his P4 rotations with me. So I thought that was pretty crazy. Um, and I had a, one person that applied to PA school, um, that I had been talking with over Instagram. And so she was talking about wanting to come to pharmacology with me at the, college that I teach at Charleston Southern University. And so, you know, things like that, I, I think is where it's going. I think it'll end up being like, you know, what researchers were back 20, 30 years ago, where you wanted to come to that university because they, you wanted to work on research because of this person that you followed or you had read up on. I think that's what social media is now. It just is a much bigger scale. And I think that it's going to turn into um, opportunity for to basically to, to promote 
wherever facility you're working at or whatever research you're doing and really give it a lot of support just because people are following you on a day-to-day basis on this whatever social media platform. That is such an interesting analogy that that you gave because and that's so true is like how do we know the the famous pharmacists, you know, and right now it's like this new wave of um, people who are, you know, doing podcasts or getting on social media or, you know, doing some of these innovative things like Amazon Alexa briefings. Um, and so I think that 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 was a really great point that you made about um, social media is going to be kind of a way of, um, you know, not only um brand, you know, putting yourself out there and like building your brand, but, um, and, and creating valuable content. Um, but it's going to, you know, draw in those like students or, you know, bring recognition to, um, the groups and organizations that you're affiliated with. So, um, I think that's very wise. And it's it's interesting to me too, and I'm sure you've seen this as well, but a lot of the universities are still encouraging students to like either delete their social media or, you know, change. Like I see students, I know it's residency time because I'll see students who I know like personally, and then all of a sudden their last name is different on Facebook or Instagram or, you know, whatever it is. And I'm like, first of all, what do you have to hide? Second of all, you know, if, if you do have something to hide for residency, you probably shouldn't have it on social media anyway. Right. And you know, something that I've, I just find fascinating that these, these schools are still hanging on to this idea of, you know, that we have to go to these conferences to network and we can only do it this certain way. Cause that's the way it's always been done mm-hmm. professionally. And this, this, this definition that's around what is professional versus not, I think is very, very outdated. And there's a lot of people who strongly disagree with me and think that using Instagram to bring people into your university is insane. But that's why I like putting on a podcast. So in three years from now, we can kind of reference it and be like, see, told you. Because <laughs> I'm very, very confident that it's going to going to play out. Yeah, I, I think it's a great way to reach, um, you know, younger generations because uh, we are seeing a decline in people who are wanting to go to pharmacy school. And so, you know, the schools are having to get creative and coming up with, with creative social media campaigns to show all of the cool things that, um, pharmacists can do. It's not just, you know, maybe someone is in high school and they go shadow, um, a pharmacist in their hometown, well, that's that's a very limited view of what all that pharmacy has to offer. So um, I think that that you're probably spot on um, on, you know, what's the future of, of recruitment and just engaging um, others, you know, who are, are going to be in the profession and, and influencing in that way. Um, so, you know, one of our earlier guests on the show was one of your friends from Charleston, uh, Beju Shaw, and he said that I needed to ask you about your mentor, Gary Vaynerchuk. So <laughs> I, I honestly was not familiar with him, so you'll have to, to educate me and our listeners. So he's not like a personal mentor. He's just someone that I've followed, followed his content. I wish, but he's definitely far too big to have time for uh, hanging out with me. And, uh, he's somebody that a a lot of people think that, um, he's like a 
motivational speaker and things like that because he has kind of that like rah rah vibe I guess behind him. But he's he's very practical, and I because I've I've always disliked motivational like speakers to be totally honest. I've just I've never thought that that never really interests me. And for him, there was just something much more. Um, just more real. He wasn't, he wasn't saying like, all you have to do is believe and you can do it and just wish it into existence and all stuff. His, his premise is work your face off and it'll, and it will happen if, if you're, if you have the talent, you know, I'm not ever going to start playing basketball at 30 years old and be LeBron James, but you know, I, I feel like because I have some talent in the realm of pharmacology and pharmacotherapy and all that, then, you know, if I do work hard, then I can build something. It may not be anything huge, but if it's something that is enjoyable and, and gives me a good outlet and a good hobby, then that's awesome. And so that's kind of where I started following his content. But a lot of times I'd listen to his stuff really just for strategies because he puts out a lot of his content on where things are going and trends and he's, he's built a pretty huge um, like social media marketing firm. I think it's worth like 200 million now. And, and he's a very smart guy. He's very crass, um, swears a lot and things like that. So people are definitely, I, I think a lot of people are turned off by that aspect of him. And, um, but I just, I feel like he's very uh, authentic, I guess. And, and who he is, you know, whether I agree with his, you know, personal life or whatever is kind of not really, you know, what I'm, what I'm talking about as far as his business mindset. I just really like a lot of his techniques and pretty much everything that I've followed so far with, I've kind of emulated some of the steps he's taken and everything that I've tried that he suggested, you know, over his YouTube vlogs and things like that, um, has worked very well for my core console RX. So until he really steers me wrong, I'm, I, I, I definitely keep following his content. He's got a very different way of looking at like growing your Instagram pages and things like that, that I had never really heard before. Yeah. I think it's, it's really smart to look outside of the profession and, um, you know, take some tips and tricks, uh, so that we can, you know, uh, use those and adapt them to what works in pharmacy. Um, and so, you know, you've got, um, some social media, um, things that you're working on. And so learning from experts that aren't in pharmacy that are doing that is really, um, really, really valuable. So, um, speaking of, of, you know, staying current and, and keeping up, how do you stay current about what's going on in healthcare and more specifically within the pharmacy field? So basically I have, set everything up to be kind of automatic. You know, when I first got out of school, I was having to like, just go look through random journals and things like that. Um, now I have it pretty much automated to where I can, I just get emails every single night. Um, I use like Medscape and I've like subscribed to like every one of the specialties on Medscape. And so, you know, it'll be like Medscape cardiology or, you know, whatever. Um, also like New England Journal of Medicine Journal Watch is really great. Um, that's a paid subscription plan, but you know, I, I will, I use that. Um, I use things like, uh, evidence alerts, which you can sign up for for free and they'll send you abstracts on whatever topics you uh, request, um, basically nightly to where you can kind of look through the abstracts. And then if it's something that you find valuable, then you can go pull the, the, the article uh, off PubMed if you have access to, to PubMed and some of those journals. Um, 
so I mean, those are some of the big ones. And then, you know, just, just random subscription to, you know, to random, you know, organizations that bring content, but it, it's basically all through, through, uh, email, um, some, I don't know, some podcast, things like that, but it's usually just articles sent to my email guidelines, updates, new drugs, things like that. So it's, it's pretty, pretty effortless at this point. I just read them every night before I go to bed. <laughs> And it puts you to sleep. No, I'm kidding. Um, well, that yeah, that's helpful because there's just so much information out there. But you know, having a system and and automating as much as you can is really um, a smart process. So, Mike, what excites you about the future of pharmacy? Um, honestly, just I really like that it's starting the the technique the technology and social media is starting to be a little bit more accepted in some at least in some circles. You know, I gave a talk um, for the South Carolina Health Systems Pharmacy Association on this past Wednesday, and uh, for their like CE program, I did the immunization part and. When I got off like the stage, I, my phone had like blown up on Twitter and people had been tweeting like about stuff that I had, you know, slides that I had and um, pictures and things like that of my PowerPoint presentation and whatnot. Like during the presentation, I thought that was awesome. And, uh, you know, I, I think that for, for instance, like tomorrow, I actually have the, the dean of MUSC coming on my podcast and him and I have spoken recently about um, how the school could use uh, Instagram and other social media platforms to, to sort of bring awareness to the school. Um, I kind of gave him some tips and on, you know, what I would be doing if I was running it. And uh, he's, he's immediately put some of those into action. And so it's been pretty cool to see, you know, someone at that high of a level, you know, actually take some advice and try it and like whether it works or not, like he's, you know, we have to see, but he's, he's at least trying. And I think that's very you know admirable that he's, you know, someone in that position would, would even consider it. And, uh, I think, I just, I think that, uh, the whole distance and all that stuff between, you know, schools and things like that is, is really going to be eliminated with social media. Once kind of the stigma behind it goes away and we start looking at it for, the potential that it has. So, you know, I, like I said before, I, I've met so many students and so many professionals now um, through these platforms that, you know, this it excites me because I know how much more I'll have more opportunity I'll have in the future um, once it becomes more mainstream because it's, it's still um, pretty, pretty low key right now. I feel like in a lot of the professional circles. Yeah. Well, that, I love that story that you had had people tweeting during your talk, um, you know, that it was engaging and and you've got some other people who are, um, you know, helping to, sh to spread the word and, and are excited. Um, so, Mike, as our final question, could you share some lessons learned uh, and maybe some advice that you would tell your younger self or for other pharmacists out there who are just getting started in their career? You mean like in regards to being a pharmacist? And being a pharmacist or, or just, just yeah. life in general, however you want to take it. Okay. Um, so I, I really, I think the the biggest mistake that I see a lot of like brand new pharmacists making, especially if they don't go the residency route, uh, is, you know, they, they get this big salary, you know, they're making six figures all of a sudden right out of school and they just get, they get complacent. And I feel like, 
with how quickly things are changing, you know, I, I don't truly believe that like the big chain pharmacies will be around, you know, 10 years, 15 years from now, um, or at least if they are, they'll look drastically different. And so I just think that, uh, not enough people are really looking at the the potentials that are coming, the the changes that are coming, and and setting themselves up to kind of win ten years from now. I think everybody looks at you know I just accomplished all this you know work and time I spent in school. I just want to enjoy this, and that's great. And I think everybody needs downtime and hobbies and escapism and whatever. But <clears throat> looking at kind of how the what the future of pharmacy looks like and, and getting in some sort of a routine to, to stay up with information. You know, I think our profession right now is really struggling even now still to we've, we've come a tremendous way, but we're still struggling to really show like our worth and some of these provider circles and we still don't have provider status. And so, you know, I think that it takes pharmacists not just accepting the fact that, oh, well, I'm a PharmD now. I don't necessarily need some of these clinical things because of the the job that I'm in currently. Um, and then they just kind of let it go by the wayside. You know, I think that we need to stay up and be continue to be the drug experts even after, you know, we continue on and finish school because that's essentially what we're supposed to be. And when these providers do come to us and we don't have the answers for them, we don't have a way of, of knowing, you know, it's like, oh, I haven't kept up with that. I haven't looked at that since school. Like, that that makes like me cringe when I hear pharmacists say that because I'm like, ah, that's hurting the profession. Like you're you're that provider's going to look at you like you are beneath. You know, not all of them, obviously, but it, it lends itself to having providers look like you're beneath them because you're like, oh, well, just you're the provider. You answer that question, or go hear hear people say, go just go ask your doctor. That used to drive me crazy when I was in like retail pharmacy, especially if it's something that I'm like, you should be able to answer that. And, you know, why are we just blowing this off and like just accepting, well, I don't need that clinical knowledge because I can get by without it. Um, I'm a huge advocate for opening as many doors because you have no idea where you're going to be in five years and things could change. Like I had no intention ever of teaching for PA school. Like that was never on my radar, never a goal that literally like fell into my lap because of some doors I had opened. Like it's it was just kind of like, Hey, do you want this? And I was, you know, you come in interview for it and it looks good. And, you know, I think you'll have a good shot. That's how it kind of happened. It was just bizarre to me. So I, you know, and now it's one of the best opportunities I've ever had, you know, in my life, let alone just in my short career. So I just would highly encourage people to, to really stay focused and, and continue their education, learn something new every day everyone has 10, 15 minutes. I know like everyone complains about time and things like that, but you can find 10 minutes, like shut the Netflix off just a couple minutes earlier than normal. And like find the time to, to learn something new every day is I'm a huge advocate of that. That would be a good motto. Learn something new every day, but it is, it's part of the pharmacist oath is to, you know, I'll accept the lifelong obligation to improve my professional knowledge and competence. And, you know, it is required with continuing education to maintain our um, licenses and things. But um, it's more, I think a lot of times people view it as a 
requirement versus an opportunity um, to, you know, continue to grow and um, advance our knowledge as uh, new evidence comes out and, and just to stay um, not only on top of, you know, what's clinically happening, but also the, the bigger landscape of healthcare because pharmacy is just one piece of that um, healthcare team. And there's a lot of change happening right now. And um, we've got to be able to understand what's what's going on and, and you know, insert uh, the value of the pharmacist um, so that, you know, we do, uh, we are seen as, you know, an invaluable part of that team. So, well, Mike, thanks so much for being a guest on the show. Can you share a few ways that people could get in contact with you or check out what you're working on? Yeah, yeah, for sure. So um, if you go to uh, really any of the social media platforms and you go to Core Console Rx, it's Core, like my last name, Corvino, C-O-R, then Console, and then Rx, and, um, all one word on any of the social media platforms, um, Instagram, Snapchat, uh, Facebook, Twitter, Medium, um, any any of the Alexa skills, um, any of the podcast platforms, you can find my stuff on there. Um, you're also welcome to email me at mcorvino at coreconsolerx.com. Um, but yeah, most, most of the time, I feel like people just end up messaging me over Instagram. That's kind of how I end up getting in contact with people. But um, yeah, I'm on all the different platforms. So whatever one is convenient for for the listeners. Awesome. Well, thanks so much, Mike. It was great to have you as a guest. And if you enjoyed this episode, be sure to check out the show notes at www.pharmacyadvisory.com. And for any students, we are hosting our first live event on Tuesday, November 27th at 5 p.m. to help you learn how to prep for ASHP mid-year interviews. We'll have a live panel and audience coming from Belmont University College of Pharmacy. So be sure to check out our Facebook page, Pharmacy Advisory Group, and sign up for our event on Tuesday, November 27th at 5 p.m. Central. We'll also be doing an Instagram Live, so follow me at Talk to Your Pharmacist. And finally, if you want my quick tips for how to make the most of pharmacy meetings, text guide to 31996. That's text guide to 31996. And now back to our sponsor, TheraWorks Relief. I use TheraWorks Relief whenever I have muscle cramps and aches, uh, particularly after a, a hard workout or just, you know, walking around in high heels. Uh, family members love this and I've been sharing it with friends as well. So if you're standing up all day, definitely check it out. Uh, they've got a website, theraworksrelief.com, um, and are also uh, doing some CEs, which are available through Pharmacy Times. Thanks for listening to this episode of Talk to Your Pharmacist, produced by the Pharmacy Advisory Group. If you liked this episode, let us know by subscribing to the podcast, rating, and reviewing it. Share it with friends. And if you want to be a guest or know a pharmacist leader who has a great story to tell, connect with me, Hillary Blackburn, on LinkedIn and check out our Facebook page, Pharmacy Advisory Group, for updates on new podcasts. Thanks for listening.